1: That's C-O-M-T-E-hyphen-U-S-A dot com.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Cara Warren, and today we're going to take a look at a classic Swiss cheese, uh, one that's on many cheese counters and many cheesemongers, i believe, know it and love it. Um, today, we're going to look at the Swiss cheese, Tet Des Moines. It was anointed AOP designation status in 2001. So 20 years ago, actually, a pretty long time ago. And it's considered to be a pillar of the Swiss cheese world. Um, on today to discuss the history of Tet Des Moines, I have Martin Sigenthaler. Uh, he is the Gérant or manager of the Tet Des Moines DOP Association. He's also a Swiss cheesemaker, food engineer, and has a master's in business administration. So He's well-rounded, which I love. Um, and then we also have Randall Feltz, um, an ACS CCP cheesemonger and owner of Beautiful Rhine, located in Chicago. Uh, Martin Randall, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, I, You know, I should have taken a deeper breath before I started all of that because you guys are awesome. <laughs> you have a lot of cheese experience. Um, we're here on the show today to discuss Tete Des Moines, which, again, is a classic Swiss cheese. I'd like to start with Martin. Um, what is your first experience with Tete Des Moines? Um, and curious, did you have it as a child?
3: Oh, my first uh, experience with Tete Moines was a few years ago. So I'm over 20 years in the, the beef cheese business. So I know that Tete sounds Moines very long. And I appreciate it every time I can use it and science, the uh, uh, last four months that I'm now the chéron, the, the head of the témoin, I'm, I'm really pre- appreciated like every day because it's really a speciality and a unique speciality which we have here in Swiss.
2: Yeah. So okay. So you you got into it a few years ago, um, Randall. I'm curious, as a cheesemonger's perspective, how, what was your first experience with Tetemoin? <laughs>
4: you know, it's funny. It's, it's a it's a memorable cheese. So. Uh... And my first experience was actually kind of when I was before I was even a cheesemonger. I was a uh, a line cook and, and pastry chef, and, and uh, got married. and on, We went on our honeymoon to uh, Northern California, and we were having dinner at a uh, really great restaurant that's since closed called Cyrus. That had this old school cheese cart service, um, and they kind of wheeled it up to the table. And just by sheer coincidence, the server happened to know. The restaurant I worked in in Birmingham, he'd worked there before, so he really did it up with this cheese cart. And he came out and he was like, "Oh, we have this really cool cheese here with this tool. I'll have to show it to you." Uh, and so he goes in the back and brings out a new wheel of Tendoneau and the Girol and everything. And I, I remember that even pre-getting into being a cheesemonger, it was at that time where I was like, "Do I want to be a cook or do I want to be a cheesemonger?" And uh, you know. Between that and Red Hawk uh, on the beach, that kind of sold it for being a cheesebonger.
2: Oh, wow. So, okay. And, well, we'll get to Girol and Rosette's later in the episode, but I'm excited that so yours was a restaurant experience, actually. That's very, very cool. Um, I think then, since we're looking at history, I'd like to go back to Martin. And and Martin, if you could give us a brief history of Tete Des Moines, because I know it's a very old cheese. So uh, what's the best way we can talk about the history of Tete Des Moines?
3: No, oh, the history of Tetumois is very old. We, the the, longest, uh, the first history we've seen, it's about 800 years ago. It's in the Abbey in Bellele. It's a very uh, small village in Switzerland, which they invited the, the Tetumor. And there was really the, the milk producer, produce also cheese, and they give it to the monks. And finally, the monks um, eat it, uh, especially for Christmas, and one special episode is really that one monk was very hungry during the night. And then to, to that show uh, that he was eating the cheese, he cut the detomo the in the middle and started to cut a little bit with his knife in the middle. So that was the start of the history of detomo. And since then, it was really a, an evolution. And with the invitation of the uh, Girol uh, 40 years ago, that was really... The, the, the start, the kickoff, when also the export getting more involved. So that really 40 years ago, it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, the, the history of the data now, uh, we are even in, in the U.S. market, so it's very interesting also to discover and to, to be presented here to show uh, also the cheesemongers, the, the nice products we, we
2: produce here
3: in Switzerland.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm curious the name tetemoin which... Uh, translates to monk's head. How did that happen?
3: Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> the, the the monks often have the shape of of hair, so that's that's the name where it comes. Uh, they they cut the special cut that in the middle there's no hair, so that was the the approach to the the monk's head, and uh, the name is um, it's not been changed uh, the last eight hundred years. And still, on our labels and packaging, so normally three monks, uh, and in the middle is the so that's a uh, part of the history, and really uh, an old and long history and very long and traditionally, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, so, Randall, when you're in the cheese shop and you're selling to Des Moines, <laughs> what are you thinking as you explain this cheese? Because you, you tell everyone, do you mention the monk's head title at all? Or um... no, I don't. Absolutely.
4: Um, yeah. So, so when I'm selling this cheese, uh, we, we sell a lot of cheese boards. Uh, we're kind of half restaurant, half cheese shop. Um, and so we're always putting it on the boards for the visual impact and kind of the fine people will usually ask, is that cheese what it what is this and so it's fun to get to tell a story and to dip into the the rich history of cheese using kind of a good visual impact
2: right right and so actually martin now i want to go back to uh, with the aop and the pdo standards um is that helpful for Tetamoine to have those distinctions
3: yeah that's very important for us it's a very strong protection in, in europe to defend it, and if you have success, you know it. You you've been copied along and now we have also cases in uh, in uh, in Spain and in France. They they try, but we are, have a very strong protection here in Europe. And it's not only the the DOP is protected; it's also the shape of the rosettes the three time dimensional protected. So for us, it's a very strong and it helps that it's really, sometimes it's also difficult because the restriction to produce milk and to do cheese is, is very uh, definite, not so not so uh, easy to do that, but it helps us very much. And it's also helped us to to keep the story high and the quality to, to check
2: that. Yeah. And you mentioned the shape. Um how or why is it that shape? Because it's a very, uncom- to me, it's a very uncommon cheese shape. And the fact that it's a semi-firm cow's milk cheese, um, it just seems like kind of odd, but also useful. I mean, tell me, why is it the shape that it is?
3: Uh, I was not there when the cheese was invited. <laughs> right, uh, very right. long time ago, it was the, the the shape was a little bit bigger, It's closer to, to two kilos. And now the the cheeses are a little bit smaller, so one kilo. And I think it's also with the shape of the rosette. So it's easier if you have smaller, smaller wheels like to have, and the shapes really getting before 40 years ago, you start to cut the shapes with a knife. And then 40 years ago, the shirol was invited. And I think 10 years ago, the rosemats was invited. So it's getting easier and easier. Uh, but forty years ago, it was very difficult to to make a hole in the cheese and to uh, to start turning the cheese. But for the production, for the increase, and, and for the quality, for the taste of the rose, that you can make really fine flowers, so that the smell it's, it's very thin, and the thinner you get, you you the more taste you get also on your your tongue. Yeah,
2: and th- that's for the rosettes, which I I wanted to go into because um, Randall has even had has been able to use a Rosamat, which uh, to the listeners, just so they know, uh, the Tete Des Moines wheel is about 1.87 pounds. I looked it up because it's, it's kind of a smaller drum wheel. And then the Rosamat is uh, an electrical automatic device that you put the wheel on and then it shaves these, uh, the cheese into these florets. And I'm curious, I mean, Randall, you've been, did you just start using this? I mean, or has this been with the shop since you opened Beautiful Rind? Uh, no, has it been with the
4: shop since we opened, um, Martin? Uh, uh, as many people in the cheese world do, ha- have some common friends, and uh, when someone from Chicago had, had popped in and uh, noticed uh, that we had the, uh, the cheese, and we're doing it by hand, kind of the old-fashioned way, and mentioned. The Rosamat. And uh, I could see our, our, our cheesemonger, who it was at that time doing a will or two a day by hand, eyes light up. And I thought that would be a great little bit of theater to have on our cheese case. So we got to talking about it and we've been doing, uh, we've had the Rosamat for,
2: gosh, I think
4: probably about uh, eight or nine months now.
2: Okay. At least. And it, so. it's a game changer for you? Yeah, yeah, it's it's
4: been great. I mean the, the cheese has always been a lot of fun for us and we've had the cheese since day one, but we were using sort of the metal plastic uh Girols before it, but having the, the rosamats made our, our cheesemongers' lives a lot easier and also been kind of a good uh good discussion piece we kind of refer to it as our fajitas-esque dish and that it gets everyone's <laughs> attention when someone orders it
2: right it's like the flambéed like uh-huh. item in the restaurant you you have this beautiful cheese coming out of this not as which is the manual version of a rosamat yeah the rosamat is like I, I i like to compare it to the ferrari of cheese devices at this <laughs> point because it is so freaking cool um and that's just me being a super curtain but um, uh, Martin, I'd like to jump back now to um, the terroir. And I was reading about Tete Moines terroir, and it's, it, the area is titled the inter Jurassic. Is that how you would say it? And c- could you give us more details about what the terroir is like?
3: Yes, it's a very strict area. It's the Jura, and a small part of the Canton Bern. It's also the Jura Bernouard called. And it's a very small area, and each uh, village is defined. And we have only 240 milk producers, quite small uh, milk producers, traditional milk producers, which uh, has to be accredited to, to produce. And it's really raw milk, no silo. They, they feed grass in the summer and hay in the winter time. so it's very traditional. It's also mountain cheese so it's in the sea it's about 800 meters of a sail level so it's quite a high mountain we're expecting the next few days snow here so it's really a, a rare and a, um, a small, small area which the, pre- the cheese can pre- produce and we will also protected
2: yeah. wow and, and then the cow that is most commonly used, for the the local indigenous breed, um, can you tell us which cows are preferred to make Tetemoin?
3: Uh, that's quite open. They're very passionate. It was a uh, Sunday just at the fair uh, for 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 prizes for the the cows for the best cow, and it's a uh, they have a lot of Holstein and Red Holstein, but also Jersey. So the the different cows are are open. It's more about the milk quality, which we are very strict because it's a raw milk cheese. And so it's very important that the base, the the milk quality is very good so that you can produce a very high quality cheese at the end as well.
2: So, uh, and just to be clear, all Tete is raw milk in the United States?
3: Yes, all Tete is raw milk, yeah. Wow. It's all the same. It's DOP products. All you can find is, is raw milk cheese, yeah.
2: Very cool. Um, And then I guess one more production question for you, because I just I love to hear it's just having the classic traditional European cheeses and learning about how they're made, I think, gives so much insight to how other cheeses are made, because it's kind of like the grandfather of of many more cheeses. Um, This is a washed rind cheese. uh, Am I correct? Or it's brined? Can you give us a little more info about how that is how that's done as well the production process?
3: Yeah, it's a smear ripened cheese. It's also semi-hard cheese if you want, uh, a small cheese. And this has quite high fat content so that the the texture and to to make and to shave the the rosettes. Uh, And then it's a smear smear rind uh, ripening. uh, And it's during 70, 75 days at least. The cheese has to be ripened in caves on wood. So that's really, and then we have the first quality check, and normally between 90 and 110 days, the cheese are leaving the caves, and then they're going uh, completely as wheels to the customers, or they have been shaved as rosettes and packed to 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 the customers. It's depending how how the what they want, yeah. And then we have different ages. We have uh, the classic one, and then we have for for more specialists, we have. Uh, uh, and other, other older ages but the classic is the, the main cheese, the, the mild one is the, the the most, the famous cheese of that we, we sold yeah.
2: And, and you said how long is that age for? Uh, you said 90 to 100 days but it's it's longer than that The right? it's more mm-hmm. like 6 months or a year?
3: yeah the oldest is 6 months, We have a reserve which is about 4 months and the oldest is 6 months so that's the black label if you want Uh, So that's the oldest, but it's uh, a very small quantities, but it's uh, really, you're getting more taste and more flavor and the structure of the rosettes a little bit uh, crunchy, but it's, it's very still, you get, you get more taste. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Okay, guys. Well, I want to take a quick break. Uh, Listeners, you're listening to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network, and we'll be right back.
1: This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté Cheese Association represents the Comté PDO, Comté Protected Designation of Origin, in the USA. Comté is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fritiers. This milk must be transformed into Comté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Comté. Comté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Comté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Comté is the same. T-E USA dot com.
2: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today I have on the show Randall and Martin. Uh, we are talking about Tep Des Moines and beautiful Ryan the Cheese Shop in Chicago. Um, and I'd like to kind of switch over to Randall and hear about his lovely pairing, because I, I read through it. And you are a master at pair at doing pairings. I like what I saw. Can you tell the listeners about your pairing?
4: Oh, sure. Sure. Uh, so in our, in our shop with each cheese uh, that we have on our menu, we do a different kind of pairing uh, in-house. And, and right now with the Tete Des Moines, we do uh, brandy flambé dates, uh, which are, are a lot of fun. We, we've played with a few different pairings and we always like to do something that kind of skates the savory sweet aspect uh, with Tete Des Moines. So we went in going into the winter to, to get something a little more hearty and substantial.
2: That's cool. So are you, are you flambéing in front of people? this is funny that flambéing (laughs) has come up twice in this episode.
4: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, we, are not flambéing in front of people. Uh, Chicago has a uh, troubled history with fire, so their (laughs) regulations are, uh, Somewhat strict when it comes to open planes. Uh, We we flambe them uh, in the back and and we take them out, um, have little ramekins that we serve them with, or, or even when people get delivery or to go, we will... Have them in little little plastic containers, but uh, we we have posted the flambe process on Instagram a, a couple of times to good reaction.
2: Got you that that's pretty funny, Randall. I like that, um, Martin. I'm curious, what are some traditional um, uh, specialties that the tete can be paired to?
3: Yeah, we have also tete fondue if you like it. I mean, you we are on wellness as a uh, racle and fondue, and we have also a fondue you, you can eat, you can share. Uh, at the moment, we are not on the, the US market, but it's very typical as well. It's getting cold, it's getting snowy, and then you, you sit together, you drink a, a glass of wine, and then to eat some some cheese. So that's, a, that's also kind. And the other thing is to at the end of a meal, you, you taste some rosettes. It's also very nice. At the beginning, as an apéro, or at the end of a of a dish, to 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 just have one flower to to close to close the meal.
2: Excellent. And actually, this reminded me, uh, Martin, when you cut a wheel of Tete Des Moines, how do you prefer to cut it? Do you, do you cut it across horizontally or do you go vertically? Um, because for this size of wheel, I, I know people may have different advantages to how they cut it. And I'm curious what you feel is best.
3: Yeah, we've heard yeah, I and mean, I've seen pictures now to cut it in the middle uh, it's difficult to explain maybe down the middle so that you have two parts and, and then you have one side you can shave down so it's uh, important and we've also instruction or you can also ask your cheesemonger how to to shave and to cut the piece so it's in, in, in the middle not as a the piece of cheese that's a little bit specific because um, it's 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 really a unique cheese and you have to cut it in the middle so that the surface is, is very big and that's that's also the picture in the middle it's it's white and outside it's dark so that's mine of the dead of the monk's head so that's that's a, that's a little bit a picture of the head of the monks looks like the cheese if you cut if you open the cheese in the middle
2: Oh, that's very cool, Randall. Did you know that? Did have you? <laughs> did you know? Have you? How have you been cutting the cheese? I'm curious. <laughs> yeah.
4: So um, we originally before pre-rosamat, we would just sort of very lightly cut off the uh, the very top layer, right? Um, and then go down uh, that way. Uh, one of the advantages to the rosamat. Is that it'll actually just shave off the top layer uh, on its own. So we pretty much just put the whole wheel uh, on on the machine and shave off the top layer, and then we're we're good to go. Oh
2: wow! Okay, that's good. To, I mean, this is <laughs> this is cool. This is very cool, um, Randall. I wanted to ask you about your educational work at Beautiful Rhine. How are the classes cool. going? You're doing virtual and in person now, or is it just uh, virtual?
4: Yeah, no, uh, we're doing, uh, sort of a hybrid model. We like to call it, uh, before a live studio audience. Um, so, so we opened uh, a month into, into the pandemic. We cleared our inspections the day before, uh, Chicago shelter in place order went out. Um, so we had this beautiful classroom space that we used as a, as a recording studio for well over a year. Um, so people had really kind of gotten used to doing our our classes online and really enjoyed that, and oh, cheese is all about hospitality, so we wanted to keep that experience, but we also had a lot of people that wanted to come in and dine. So uh, fortunately, my, my lead cheesemonger, uh, Will Collenborn, uh, was a uh, film student and was able to... Help set us up uh, so that we could have a great online experience happening at the same time we're having a, a great in-person experience going on.
2: Oh wow, that's that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and what yeah. are you hoping to see this holiday season? are you Are you excited? This is I know we're turning a corner hopefully on everything. so uh, what are your expectations for this this season?
4: Yeah, uh, well, my expectations are—we're feeling good about it. Um, You know, we're we're hoping we see we see more kind of small get-togethers earlier on in December. We had a phenomenal Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of those holidays. But you know, in previous years, I could remember December being a really fun month—the whole month, not just those sort of uh, last ten days or so. So I think we're going to look look forward to uh hosting a lot of well private events little parties things like that our our dance card is quickly filling up already oh i'm
2: i'm sure i'm sure and martin are you feeling good about the holiday season have uh logistics been uh, figured out on the swiss side I, I hope everything is going well for you guys
3: we hope so yeah we're doing our best uh we, we're getting a new record this year I think we probably will produce the first time over 3,000 tons of Tetumor, but but we are, we are ready. We have increased the stock for Christmas, and Christmas is very important. Uh, the season Christmas and Easter are the most uh, famous season for Tetumor, and, and we hope to be ready, and we hope to have uh, shipped enough Tetumor to, to the U.S. market, so that you can also enjoy the, the rosettes and the flowers and, and, and to to, to be a part of your Christmas party as well.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. This is, I ho- well, we hope all the European cheeses and Swiss cheeses can get over uh, with the way things are going right now. But I have yeah. I have a good feeling uh, everyone's going to do the best they can in the situation that we're living in. Um, I wanted to thank you both for coming on the show today. This was really insightful and, and awesome to, to learn about.
4: Yeah, no, th- thank you, Karen. And, and, and thanks to Martin and especially a big thanks to, his uh, dairy people and cheesemakers—they're—they're they're doing the hard work. I—I I always tell, I like to tell cheesemakers, you guys make my job a lot easier. All I have to do is get people to eat cheese, and when it's a, a beautiful and delicious cheese, uh, makes my job e- even easier. So thanks, thanks to all of them, and thanks for uh, Kara and Heritage Radio for hosting me.
3: Oh yeah no you're you're very Thank welcome. Thank you very much too from Switzerland it's very important we do our best all the days in the dairies and the milk producers but without you as cheesemongers but you as uh, journalists as well to to inform and to represent our products so it's very important for us. Thank you very much great work you do for us.
2: Uh, thank thank you thank you guys for the kind words um i also want to give a special shout out to amy thompson for helping me coordinate this episode she's uh one of the pioneers in our industry and and she's just a a great networker of great people so um i want to give a thank you to her for that and i would also just like to give a shout out to the rosamat because you guys have heard us talk about this on the episode if you're interested in getting a rosamat um Amy shared with me a link, and we will post it on our uh, episode description to go to shopjuicernet dot com. And I believe you can get a Rosamont there. Um, I also want to give a shout out to some of these Instagram handles so you can learn more about all the cool things we talked about today. Uh, please follow uh, Randall and his shop at Beautiful Rhine. If you're looking to learn more about Tete Des Moines, you can go to Tete Des Moines AOP, which is tet underscore Duh and then underscore Moine. De, uh, it's another underscore AOP. I think you'll find it though. Uh, no, I'm not sure too many handles are Tete Des Moines AOP, so. That's a winner. Um, And then you can also follow us at uh, Cutting the Curd or myself at Kara Warren. And please listen subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, and eat more cheese.
1: Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter